Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Helen. And I'm Mel. This episode is dedicated to the wondrous, sensual, powerful, confusing, beautiful, sometimes hairy topic of our vajayjays. We indirectly touch upon our vaginas on the Poops and Periods episode way back in season 3, episode 24. It was about time we dedicate another episode to a very active part of our bodies. Yes. So to start us off, here are some definitions from our trusty source, Google. And according to Healthline, when people talk about the vagina, they're usually referring to the vulva, which is the outer part of the female genitalia. Genitalia. That sounds like also an Italian dish. (laughs) The vulva includes the labia, the vaginal opening, clitoris, and urethra. So I think it's genitalia. Just yeah. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Helen. I don't I don't I never address it that way, to be honest, but thank you for clarifying me. To get real medical here, the vagina is a muscular canal lined with nerves and mucous membranes. It connects the uterus and cervix to the outside of the body, allowing for menstruation, intercourse, and childbirth. But according to Urban Dictionary, which we haven't done since what, season one and the fuckboy? The vagina is the reason life exists. Yeah, you heard it. That's true. Mm-hmm. The source of addiction for even the most tough minded men. Oof. Yikes. The only place the penis truly feels at home. I'm rolling oh. my eyes right now. <laughs> or in your own hands, men. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's share with our listeners some of our own personal um, experiences with our vagina. And we're going to start from the very, very beginning. Ladies, what is your earliest memory of your vagina? And what activity did it involve? Hmm. I think the first time I really thought about my vagina goes back to when I got a hold of a Tampax box and the instruction Mm -hmm. sheet showed me what the anatomy of my body looked like on the inside. And that's the first time I was like, oh shit, the the vagina is like a thing. Mm -hmm. But another memory I have is probably, I think it goes back to like middle school when I was um, curious and I went to the bathroom, locked the door, picked up a mirror, undressed, and I looked at my... Vagina. Have you ladies done that before? No, it's so funny you mentioned that because I'll talk about it in my when I when I talk about my experience. But I read a book and there was a picture of someone doing that, and it made me curious about doing it. But I never did it. Oh yeah. no, I just I just remember being like really ashamed of being so curious what it looked like and so mm-hmm. afraid that someone would like also walk in on me even though the door was locked. Mm-hmm. And I was also like very very shocked at what it looked like because I had not like watched mm-hmm. porn or anything by that time. Um, and I remember thinking that it's just like a really weird looking part of the body. Like it, it, the closest thing yeah. that you can probably compare it to is like a combination of your lips and your ears. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what also you, so you did that during middle school cause your vagina, it changes yeah. right? when you're really young and then when you're going through puberty and then when you're a much older woman and then even after childbirth, it looks different. It does. I don't, I don't think I've looked at it since then, but Mel's like cracking up. Because I just pictured this ear in a vagina. Oh, no, a year, a year. An ear and a lip <laughs> like mixed like, together. Isn't that the best, like, isn't that the, the is, closest is. thing That's a good name. Yeah, yeah. Those, those are good comparisons. No, that's Those's that's exactly, not, that's a, it's not a toe. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I don't know. <laughs> that's really funny. How about, how about you, Mel? What is, what is your... Does yours involve a mirror as well, it sounds like? Mm, well, okay, so when Helen brought up that she, the story of her, like, looking at herself with the mirror, my first memory of a vagina was actually in middle school, we were in the library, and we were just kind of, like, browsing through books, and I think I chose a book that's, like, kind of like a coming of age for, like, a younger girl, and it was a chapter book about this girl 
learning about her body and stuff. And then I remember she heard about the anatomy from her teacher. And then she, like, was encouraged to look at her vagina with the mirror. And I think that was the first time I was like, oh, that's something, like, you know, women can do to explore their body parts and stuff. But I think for me, I was, like, afraid to do it. So I didn't do that, actually. Mm. So props to you, Helen, for exploring your down there um, early on. I do think I also relate to Helen in the sense that, like, I didn't really explore my vagina until I really, like, had to put a tampon up there because mm-hmm. I actually got my period from a, at a young age, I think I mentioned in an earlier episode. I got my period when I was 10, and I always used, used pads. But when you use pads, you don't only look at yourself down there. You just put it on your underwear, and you, and you right. pull your pants up. But it wasn't until high school that I really wanted to go swimming that I was encouraged to use a tampon, and I did not know which hole it was because I was so confused that my vagina did not have a hole or look like a hole. Because, you know, when it looks like lift, you're like, I don't know where to stick this up, you know? And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So that was the first time I was like, oh, like, in between these little lips, that's the hole. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I was probably like, I don't know, 14 when I really was diving in there. Did you use a mirror like Helen for that during that experience? Yeah, I had a, uh, I had a mirror and then I had um, support in the restroom by my best friend. She was talking me through how to stick up a tampon up my vagina. Oh, while you were going through it? Oh, yeah. nice. She's like, it's the only thing you can stick it up. It's the only thing that's big enough. I was like, oh, okay, sure. And I was trying to stick up my pee hole, my urethra. So that oh didn't gosh. fit. It didn't You're fit. Like, this goes in there? I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah, those are my early memories. How about you, Jay? Um, so, okay. The mirror story is interesting because I've always wanted to do that, but I never did because I never had a small mirror accessible to mm. be able to do that when I was in the bathroom. See, Janet, with this gigantic um, mirror trying but, to look at herself. But, yeah. but um, so when we talked about kind of how the vagina changes from like youth all the way to adulthood, my earliest memory is actually from like when I was very young and like bath time with my mom and my sister. So it was the first time that I had the concept of like, um, you have like organs, right? And at that age, you're not thinking about any, like it was in the context of like bathing yourself, learning how to scrub your body, learning Mm -hmm. how to clean things. And it's important that you clean, you know, the vagina, especially for younger girls, yeast infections are pretty popular because they don't clean properly down there. Mm -hmm. So my earliest memory is like looking at the organ really is just like another part of the body, right? But then I do remember in like middle school, because it, you, once you start going through puberty, it started to change, right? And then I was like, I remember being really concerned that something wrong, was wrong with me because it was starting to get, and maybe this is too graphic in description, but you know, it like changes color a little bit and it gets a little bit uh, wrinkly and stuff. <laughs> no, that's true. I, I, so, I feel, yeah, I get that. Yeah. And I was really scared. I was like, oh my God, is there something wrong with me? Like, mm-hmm. is it supposed to be happening? Um, but yes, if you're super young and you're listening to us, uh, I don't know that you should be, but, <laughs> but that's normal. So, <laughs> um, okay. So we shared the earliest memory of, of you and your relationship with your vagina. Do you remember who it was that you first like openly had a conversation with about your vagina? Right here on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> was it really? I don't know. It, it, it might be. Because I think if I think back to like, it just maybe this is generalizing, but I feel like within Asian culture, like people don't talk about their body parts in detail, right? Mm-hmm. I think the first time that right. maybe the conversation that was closest to my vagina was probably my period, where my mom mm. was kind of just like happy for me. And then my sister, Annie, she probably just like teased me and said, oh, now you have to deal with it too, you know, in that mm-hmm. way. And so I think the person, the first person I probably really talked about it with was my ex-boyfriend's. But it was more mm. of it in, like, a sexualized way mm. rather than, like, the beauty of what it is. Oh, wait. I'm curious. Is this, like, dirty talk? Or what kind I of... I mean... <laughs> I mean, she had peanut butter for a reason. I'm pretty sure she's like, eh, you know, blah, 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 you know. <laughs> peanut butter with the, the lip ear. I don't know. <laughs> I did not specify what the peanut butter was used for, for the record. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty obvious, Helen. <laughs> That is interesting. Um, yeah. I think context is more just like wh- like where are the pleasure points was mm. the mm. that type of conversation. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. How about for you, Mel? So my best friends and I from back home were really close. So I remember in high school, maybe this is weird, but like we used to pee together in the same bathroom and just like you know alternate. Like we're very open about that and our body parts. So we even like we would change and like we'll be naked in front of each other. And I think at that point, you know, obviously you're hit with puberty. 
and pubic hair is a thing. And so we started noticing like, oh, you have more pubic hair than me or I, why am I so much more hairier than you? And so I think when we started talking about that, that's when I noticed there's like a difference with women. Like, oh, we all are built very differently in even our amount of hair. So yeah, I, I think I was talking to them, talking about my vagina since I was like 16. Oh, and, wow. Mm. Yeah, and I think at that point, like, um, that's when I lost my virginity. So we were very open about conversation about sex. So I think that also led to sex and like grooming became at a thing we tried to experiment and talked about with each other because grooming down there in high school is and you don't know how to wax it's, it's hard mm. yeah how about you janet i think that's super awesome that you had conversations with your friends about it i think my experience is a little bit more like helen which is um with my friends we didn't really talk about it mm-hmm. and um like i said my f- earliest memory was around bathing and cleaning and similar to conversations around that like i talked to it mostly with my mom right like about cleaning when you're younger and then when i got my period she was the first person that i told and i went to to figure out like what do i do now mm-hmm. or i do have a younger sister and a female cousin so i imagine we talked somewhat about it but it wasn't like not not anything that like stands out um mm-hmm. and then Similar to Helen hearing about her conversations with her, uh, the people she was dating. Mine was a little different though. It wasn't like, it wasn't about pleasure points. It was more, <laughs> and I'll share the story later, but um, like I had some issues when I first became sexually active. So it was more of like a serious conversation with someone uh, that I was dating about stuff down there. So oh, <laughs> now I'm curious what me those too, me too. Listen longer into this episode and we'll talk about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think something that's important to to also talk about is the gynecologist, right? Because they are like the vagina expert. So your OBGYN. And an OBGYN, for those of you who don't know, is an obstetrician gynecologist. And this is a person that is like a one-stop resource for all things related to women's health issues and diseases that specifically impact women. An OBGYN, they'll typically see you through your prenatal care and childbirth, contraception, infertility, and they'll continue seeing you once you are beyond your reproductive years. So... The gynecologist itself, it's like a, I feel like that's almost like a stamp of adulthood when you, when you go to one of those, right? Mm-hmm. When was the first time that you ladies visited a gynecologist if you have? So this is where my story comes in. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like Helen is saying, usually I think they say you start, you generally should see a gynecologist either when you turn 18 or you become sexually active. And for me, I became sexually active later in life. Um, So it was when I started having sex that prompted me to go and seek out a gynecologist. And um, at the time, I was around like 24 and I was living in San Francisco. So this was now like kind of the first time that you're um, maybe not seeing a family doctor and you're kind of having to find your own medical people. Um, And actually what started, the thing that prompted me to really start going is because this is the first time that I was in a committed relationship where we were just trying to have sex. Mm -hmm. Like I was just, at that time I was still kind of a virgin. And um, What's kind of a virgin? What's kind of, yeah, what does that mean? (laughs) Meaning meaning we were trying and it wasn't going in. Oh, okay. Um, So, and I, I know this is like weird, but I think a lot of people probably do have this experience as women where you don't, it doesn't maybe necessarily happen like your first time as cleanly. I don't know why I chose that word clean, but (laughs) as like, as like, um, it doesn't slip in as easily. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as clear cut as this was like exactly my first time. Like there will be times where you try and then it kind of goes in, kind of couldn't go in. I had, I had a lot of struggle and I think a lot of it is like being nervous and you like tense Mm -hmm. up. Right. And it got to the point where, like, my boyfriend at the time was like, hey, maybe you should just go see a gynecologist and just, like, talk to them. Mm. Like, I don't know if it's, like, you're nervous, you're tense, or whatever it was. Um, So that was actually the first time I went. So it was when I first became sexually active and was having experiences with uh, my boyfriend at the time where I was, like, experiencing a lot of pain down there wait so what did your gynecologist say then she was like there's nothing wrong it's just Uh. probably you just need to relax a bit (laughs) but it's hard i think as a woman to you don't because you're not sure you know that it's supposed to hurt Mm. but you don't know how much it's supposed to hurt right so it's just a subjective thing Mm. um but yeah Uh, but at least it it did get me to go and of course when i was there you do the annual physical and everything so Mm It's a good motivation, I guess, to start that relationship. Uh, how about you, Mel? I'm trying to think. I literally texted my mom. I go, do you remember when I went to the gynecologist? Because I think I was really young. So I think it was a checkup with my mom. Me and her went together. I was, I think I was 12. And I have distinct memories of her saying, oh, do you mind dropping your pants? I want to check down there. And I go, what? And she was actually just checking to see if I had <laughs> puberty and a pubic hair. So she's like, oh, good. Mm. You're growing. You're, you're hitting puberty. And I was so embarrassed. It's like weird. Like... To have a doctor say, yeah, you have, you're have growing pubic hair. I, I don't know what it was. It may have just felt very, like, uncomfortable, but I was probably, I want to say maybe, like, 
eighth grade to like freshman year of high school when that happened. So this is actually when I would love for you guys to help me clarify. Um, so I started going to another doctor who was actually became our family doctor. And my mom goes to her for her, her female checkups. And I started going to her, you know, for my female checkups. But I get confused of what's like a OBGYN versus like a family doctor. Because I think when you guys told me that is if your family doctor can do the, your family doctor can do the routine checkups, right? Like yeah. the female checkups? I think it all just depends on whether they've been trained. A lot of family mm-hmm. doctors, like your primary care doctors, you would go to them for if you have like a cold or like something were to happen and they're sort of like the first stop. Mm. They'll recommend a, a specialist for you and then maybe then you'll go to like an OBGYN if there's something specific to like something down there that they can't diagnose. Mm. But that's why, it, like for example, like my, my primary care doctor right now, she does also specialize in women's health. So mm. last time I went to go get my pink eye checked, she was just like, do you also want to get a pap smear? And I was like, what? <laughs> And then I got it done at the same time. So, yeah, I think I think that's, like, the difference, whether or not okay. they're trained. Actually, yeah, I should probably get a recommendation from you, Helen, because for the longest time I was looking for – I thought it would be easier if I could just have my general practitioner also understand women's health. But it was really hard to find someone. Um, I think also because, like, insurance directories don't list them. Mm-hmm. They usually are listed as only one or the other. So you're either trying to hit up all the OB, OB guys and be like, do you also do general practice? Or you're going through all the general practitioners and be like, are you also an OB? Yeah. Do you no, I can totally recommend you to her. She's amazing. She's like amazing. And I never say that about doctors because usually you're just like in and out. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you yeah. checked me. I'm good. But she like gave me a call at one point just to be like, hey, how are you doing? And I was like, what? Oh. This is weird. But Aww. it was also during Christmas time. So she was just checking in and saying Merry Christmas. Oh, that I was is like, nice. Are you not Aww. busy? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. No, but yeah, so that was my experience with like my family doctor also kind of doubling as like my OBGYN, I guess. Thanks for also clarifying everything for me. This is very helpful. But how about you, Helen? What was your first experience or when did you first start going to the gynecologist? Yeah. No, I think the first time I went to one and I can't remember if I had kind of like your experience, Mel, where you're younger and you just drop your pants. I feel like that probably did happen, but I Mm -hmm. don't remember Mm -hmm. um, that memory. So the one that I remember is actually pretty late in my uh, my late 20s. So I went because one, I knew it was important, but two, mostly because I had intercourse with someone new. And I think he had shared with me that he had intercourse with like a number of women. So I kind of freaked out because I was like, oh shit, I don't know if you carry something, even though you seem clean on the outside, like I don't know if you carry something down there that, yeah. you know, I might have gotten. So I went because it was more of like a, a freak out moment that forced me to go and check Ugh. STDs and stuff. <laughs> I also had the experience where like I went to my doctor and I wanted to ask her to be like, I can't be like, hey, can you test me so I don't have any STDs because I just had sex with someone new. I didn't know how to say that in a, in a professional way. So I, she's like, do you want to pass me? I'm like, yes. Thinking that, please, I need a pass me because I don't want to have STDs. And I don't know if that's still what you do to test if you have STDs. <laughs> uh, STDs you can also find out through a blood test. I believe. Oh, okay. Because I, I just, I didn't know what to ask for because I think there's other tests that you need to do besides the pap smear to see if you have a disease. Generally, you can um, go to your general practitioner and if you ask for just like blood blood tests and ask them to yeah. check the STD box, they can check oh, that. Okay. But a pap smear will also, um, I think a pap smear can also pick that up, but it's mostly also for women to check to make sure that- Cervical um, cancer, right? Cervical cancer. Yeah, cervical cancer. Yeah. So you can do sample, you can do blood uh, from an easy finger prick, genital swabs, or urine. Oh, for STD For STD. Great to know for our listeners. Yeah. yeah. Skillshare is a sponsor of today's episode of Asian Boss Girl. Starting a creative side hustle is not easy, but one a lot of us have a desire for. One of the main factors in achieving this goal is finding the right resources to develop your interests and skills. Skillshare is a great resource that offers classes designed for real life, so you can move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. As ABG heads into more video content, we turn to Skillshare to help us develop these new skills. From classes like video editing with Adobe Premiere Pro to making your video look like a movie, we're able to take comfort in taking this next step for our business. Explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity with classes from Skillshare. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash ABG and get two free months of premium membership. That's right. Skillshare is offering Asian Boss for listeners two free months of unlimited access to thousands of classes. Head to Skillshare.com slash ABG. 
Sometimes when our morning meetings run over and my stomach is growling for food, I go to Daily Harvest. Living good starts with good food, and Daily Harvest makes it easy for me to have good food right in my freezer with little effort. They are a food subscription service that delivers clean, plant-based meals and smoothies to your door. It's easy to customize and manage your orders, and each item only takes a couple of minutes to prepare. I'm a fan of their sweet potato rice bowl and smoothies. Super fresh and super yum. They never use preservatives, added sugar, or artificial ingredients. They work directly with farms, and they freeze organic fruits and vegetables within hours of being harvested to lock in nutrients, flavor, and texture. In addition to bowls and smoothies, they have soups, flatbreads, and dessert bites too. Their packaging is also now 100% recyclable. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code ABG to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code ABG for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. dailyharvest.com. How did you find a gynecologist and, and what did you look for when you looked for a gyno? Well, I think I'm still looking because I just figure out there's two, there's a difference, right? <laughs> but <laughs> I think mostly for me, I, I guess my primary doctor, she also does like women's testing and stuff. And so the ba- the main thing I look for really is I do prefer a female doctor. I feel more comfortable just having mm-hmm. a female check my female body parts, but that's just me and having looking for experience. So my current my current doctor does both female tests and my my regular checkup. So I like going to her for now. But yeah, the main thing I really look for is just make sure she's also a woman. Yeah, same. I think when I I just think back to when I first started looking for uh, an OB or a gynecologist, and female was probably the number one thing on my list. And then secondly, just generally when and this is hard to tell until you like have an appointment with someone. But I feel like the rapport is pretty important because. I do like to learn from the doctor Mm. and sometimes when they're like very short with you or they're not very clear about things that kind of bothers me but now it's like I'm gonna hit up Helen for her her gyno (laughs) so that sounds she sounds like informative and she's a woman so awesome how about you Helen the first time I went to the gyno was actually a man and I think the preferences that I had was just to go during my lunch break I didn't want to take time (laughs) out of work so I went during lunch so I picked somewhere that was close by to me and he was um, the closest in within walking distance and had like good ratings on online mm-hmm. and so I just went to him and I, I felt really comfortable he was very professional about it he like showed me everything that he was the tools he were he was using and like all that stuff so I felt comfortable but I think now that there's been a lot more stories out there like for example Andrew Yang's wife Evelyn she talked about mm-hmm. her like issues with her mm-hmm. OBGYN person I also agree with you ladies that for sure female is going to be like top of the list and I'll drive out to them I don't have to walk to them but yes my, my doctor now will be will be that person making sure that it's covered by insurance and also yeah. female yeah. yeah so do you ladies remember your first pap smear like you know describe for our listeners who may have not have one yet like what to expect yeah I I remember um and I I did not know that you had to have like a full-on dildo pretty much enter <laughs> Wait, I was wait, not expecting that. Wait, yours like, looked like a dildo, but I look like a duck beak. Yeah, you know, mine was a duck beak. It, it was a duck beak, but like it's it's very phallic looking. So I was just yeah, like, yeah. I thought it was a smear. Like not, like it's just gonna smear mm. the outside. So I was very shocked when the the duck looking beak thing entered me. But for those of you who have not had an exam yet, I'll kind of like paint the picture of what it's like. Um, so you enter the room, and the doctor kind of steps out so you can undress and put on a gown, and then he or she will knock on the door to make sure that you're in the gown that's professional that's what they should be doing and then they'll ask you questions about if you're sexually active if you're protecting yourself what kinds of medication you're taking and it kind of sounds like a conversation like you should be having with your parents but never did so the the person the first time that i went to the gyno was the old asian man and i was like i feel like i'm talking to my dad and this is incredibly (laughs) awkward but it was good um and usually if you go in for just a general check they'll check They'll give you like a breast exam, which I don't remember Mm. doing with him. And then they'll also check your abdominals. So they'll press down on Mm. your stomach to make sure there's no like lumps or anything there. And then the pelvic exam is when they take the duck looking like beak thing, which is called a speculum. It kind of, mine was plastic. It wasn't metal. I heard the metal ones are extremely cold, but so they'll stick that in you. Plastic is so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he he like lubed it up first, and then it goes in, and then there's a hinge, so it kind of like wide opens up your vagina, and then they can swab the inside mm-hmm. for the for the the cervix area. It was very uncomfortable, 
and awkward. Mm-hmm. How about how about for you, Janet? <laughs> I remember being so nervous for my first pap smear because I had also gone to the gynecologist around the first time when I was like just around starting to have sex. Mm-hmm. So it's already painful enough to do it when you're like intimate with someone, right? And I kind of, I knew that the pap smear involved some sort of like opening up of the vagina or something. And I was like, I already can't like get things in there. Like this is another time that I have to get a thing in there. <laughs> Um, but luckily it went, it went okay. And I, I do recall though that like when they do the swabbing, sometimes I felt a little pinch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, yeah. And, uh, cause what they're doing is ga- uh, gathering like cell samples. Um, but a tip for, for anyone out there who might be going in for, you know, first time pap smear, um, is just to like relax. Mm-hmm. Cause the, it, the more that you tense up, your vagina is a muscle. So it's going to be harder for it to like open up. So the best thing is just like, I kind of do this when I go for waxes too. <laughs> it's just breathe. You mm-hmm. know how your wax lady will be like, take a deep breath in. And then when you take a deep breath out is when everything relaxes, she'll do the rip off. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would say the same for like the, for the, uh, for the pap smear, just kind of like take breaths in and out. And then like that, like actively kind of release your, your muscles down there so that it, it happens more naturally and it over, it's actually usually over very quickly. So it's like, you know, it's not a drawn out thing, but yeah, I was really nervous. And then now it's like, it's chill. It's okay. <laughs> no, I actually totally agree with Janet. Like the breathing, ha- the breathing technique really helped me relax because I know I was tense a few times too. I don't remember my first experience t- um, getting a pap smear, but the most recent times, I remember I was a little alarmed because you know when they swab your cervix, I, I like to like look at the swab right away because I'm like, very curious. It's like when you, you know when you poo, you want to look at your poo. <laughs> uh, sorry, I was looking at the swab and it scared me because I saw that I was bloody. I was, oh, yeah. Um, were, and it, were you on your period? I wasn't, and I was kind of like, oh, crap. Like, it was definitely, like, a mucusy, like, a blend of, like, mucus and, like, mm-hmm. the, I guess, a little bit of blood. And I was like, oh, mm. shoot. And I asked my doctor. I was like, is that okay? She goes, it's fine. Sometimes some cervix, are, you know, are kind of more sensitive than others, and they will have a little bit of, like, that type of, like, the tissue or the red or the blood. So I was like, oh, okay. She said it's normal. But, yeah, so don't be alarmed because, like, I was. Um, so it's okay if it's uh, a little bloody. Totally aligned with Helen Janet. The whole the beak thing and... I kind of don't mind it being cold because I feel like it's kind of like soothing in a weird ass way. <laughs> I don't know. Is that weird? Soothing. I don't know. But I will. Admit, that is not the word I would pick for that experience. I know that's not the. I mean, it's a little comfortable when they st- maybe when they start widening your vagina. Yeah, it feels freaking weird. But I mean, I don't mind the temperature of the beak. But but let, well, wow. I'll definitely admit, like a passmer is a little bit embarrassing because there's sometimes I'm like when I was getting a passmer, I was like, okay, I was like, oh yay, I'm waxed, cool. Other times I'm like, oh fuck, I'm not waxed. Like, I hope this. I know it's normal to have hair, but even for me, I'm just like, oh man, it's weird to show. But yeah, speaking of you know it being embarrassing, do you guys have any standout memories from like, your gynecologist visits or interactions with the pap smear or anything? So for me, the kind of standout memory that I have with gynecologists, because I up until this point, most of my checkups have been super normal. Um, but a couple of years ago, when I was like dating more casually and having um, more casual sex, always protected, but still it was like with, you know, different people, you know, I was still going to get my pap smears and I had one pap smear that came back irregular. Mm. And I don't know if you guys had noticed in the last couple of years or all these like commercials, uh, like TV commercials about the HPV like vaccine. Um, so HPV stands for human papilloma virus, and it's the most commonly sexually transmitted infection. So it's not an STD, it's an STI. Um, and it's a different virus than like herpes or HIV. And most HPV infections aren't harmful and they'll go away on their own. But there are some types that can lead to either genital warts or cancer. Um, so I didn't have any symptoms and I just went in for my regular annual pap smear. And when it came back irregular, she kind of gave me this spiel about HPV. And at the time, it's like the only way that you can, the thing that will change if you get an irregular pap smear is they just tell you to get pap smears more frequently. So instead mm-hmm. of once a year, she said, come back in six months and we'll do it again. And the way that we tell that you don't have anything or like, we'll just wait for the pap smear results to come back regular. And then you'll know that your body cleared it. But up until that, so I was like, you're telling me I have to wait six months before I can rest easy, you know? Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, I could tell from her demeanor that it was very kind of like, oh, this happens often. But because as a you know professional physician, you cannot guarantee mm-hmm. the patient anything, the words she was telling me was scary. So I remember freaking out and being like, oh my God, is this like, do I have to like tell the, per- tell the people that I've been sleeping with, like blah, blah, blah. And she can't, she can't tell you yes or no, right? Mm-hmm. And so I remember having this really awkward phone conversation with this guy that I'd maybe like met, like been with like twice. 
And I was like, oh, so I just recently went, you know, and I, I got my pathogen came back like irregular and it, you know, just like it might be this infection thing. And he was like, oh, dude, that's like super common. Like for anyone who's like sexually active, you probably have been or will at some point contract HPV or become a carrier. Because um, they actually say, I think the statistics are, there are 79 million Americans, mostly in their late teens and early 20s, who are infected. Um, and there are, you know, many types. And it's very common and usually they clear up on their own. But at the time, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So um, it was it was super awkward conversation that I had with mm-hmm. a dude. That's good that he was open to it, though. Yeah. And also kind of like educating you on, on, you know, what he knew to make you not so nervous about what was going on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is a that's a very good point. Or was he just saying that? Is that factual? It is factual. You just gave us numbers. Okay, never mind. Because <laughs> he could have just been like, oh, whatever. Let's continue. Actually, yeah, no, no, that's true. Um, how I could tell is that he actually had been in the Navy for a period of time. And so as part of the Navy, the guys will sail to different places. And he he's very, like, germophobic oh. and very, like, health conscious about that stuff. Mm. So he was like, they educated mm. us very thoroughly about, like, sexually transmitted diseases. I see. Um, and he did say, though that like and for hpv it is like guys can be carriers and i think it's like less likely that they'll show signs and there is a small chance that if you get hpv as a guy it increases your chances of some sort of cancer but it's like a rare cancer and it's kind of very rare Mm. um but yeah so just so i guess for those of you out there like educate yourself no hpv is a thing it's probably more of a big topic for women if you get an irregular pap smear it's no reason to freak out but it is something to keep an eye out for Mm, mm, mm. that's good to know thanks for sharing that yeah yeah how about you helen standout memories from the gyno i think anytime i go it's more like um it's kind of like i mentioned this during the waxing episode where you're lying on the hospital bed and you're kind of just like getting nervous and you're Mm. like don't get wet don't get wet yeah I could totally see Helen. I know having the, yo. I could relate to that. She's sitting so much. there smiling, and her mind is just like yeah. thinking that repeatedly. <laughs> it does, and every time I'm I'm there, that's all I'm thinking because I'm like trying. I don't want to. Well, the thing is that women get yes get wet when they are sexually excited, but I think when there's also, for example, if you take a specific type of birth control pill or mm-hmm. your estrogen rises, there's an increase in the production of vaginal fluids down there. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. not it doesn't just happen when um, when you're sexually aroused. So mm-hmm. that made me feel a little bit better to know that. But at the same time, I was just like, but what if they think I'm enjoying this? <laughs> So that's 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 my only real awkward story with with getting past here. I could actually relate 100% to like the not get wet thing because I will say I'm definitely a, a type of woman that I have I produce a lot of um, fluids naturally, you know, um, not even when getting checked up. Non-sexual reasons too, but I remember going to get my pap smear and I was like, fuck, they stuck that beacon and I was like, oh shit, like, <laughs> and, no, I wasn't sexually aroused, but I was like, I could feel myself producing a little bit more and I'm like, crap, this is so embarrassing. Yeah. Like I don't like, but luckily, you know, my gynecologist was a, was a woman, so it was fine, but it's just a little like, I think it's so tied, like discharge is so tied of being turned on. You're like, I don't want you to think I am mm-hmm. like, but mm-hmm. You're sticking something up there. And part of me is like, I was trying to avoid contact with the beak after she pulls it out. But I like peeked to look and I was like, crap. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I get you. I totally, I'm on the same page. I mean, they probably, they've done it so many times that it's yeah. just like, it's nothing to them now. But obviously it's something that we worry about. It's like equivalent to, you know, when a guy gets their, their annual checkup and they're like, they have the, the guys have to cough and the, they squeeze the, 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 the balls or something. It's like if a guy were to be erected. It's the same thing like, oh, I'm not turned on, but like it just it's sometimes it's natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So other than pap smears and HPV, there are a couple of other kind of like common medical-related vaginal topics that we've had a lot of listeners write in about. Is it vaginal or vaginal? I think I've been saying vaginal this whole episode. It's vaginal, no? <laughs> it's vaginal. <laughs> vaginal? I think, I think it's vaginal. Vaginal, okay. No. Vaginal. We can use either. <laughs> So let's say a thank you to Sabrina L. and Yoni C., who are both working at healthcare companies, for giving us the lowdown on uh, UTIs, yeast infections, vaginal thrush, bacterial vaginosis, uh, in hopes of shedding more light on women's health. So we're going to kind of go through some of these uh, in this following section. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to talk about the things that go on down there because I think a lot of times things happen and we kind of just like 
try not to think about it or brush it aside until it gets really mm. bad, right? Um, UTIs are very, very common. For those of you who don't know, they usually occur when the bacteria living in your bowels go from your anus to your urethra. And the reason why women get UTIs more often is because our urethras are much shorter than men's. They have one too. Mm -hmm. So the bacteria has an easier way to sort of climb up there and cause an infection. And the signs and symptoms that you would feel is like a prickly, stinging, or burning sensation when peeing or an urge to pee often. Usually your pee is going to look cloudy or bloody or even be smelly. And there's like pain in your lower abdomen too. And so the way to treat that is... Sometimes it'll go away by itself, but you can also go to a doctor. They might prescribe antibiotics for you. Um, and another way to prevent it is cranberry tablets or cranberry juice. Um, that's that's good for prevention. Drinking plenty of water and wiping mm. your vagina front to back. Very Not back to front. That's very important. <laughs> very important. Yeah. Yes. And make sure you also pee after having sex. That is something that mm. I someone had told me at some point, and I always do that now because I'm just like. Mm. I don't want any bacteria down there. I want to pee it all the way. Yeah. Yes. Same, actually. I started doing that a lot more after someone told me to. And also my roommate in college, not not the ones I talk about a lot, but one of my other roommates, she used to always get UTI. So she always had a bottle of cranberry pills like, just lying around. Mm. Yeah. Um, the next thing to talk about is yeast infection. So this is typically caused by an overgrown of a fungus called candida, which normally lives inside the body and on your skin in small amounts. Um, however, some factors such as, you know, antibiotics, Pregnancy, uncontrolled diabetes, or a weak, weakened immune system, even from stress, can upset the balance of bacteria in the, va- in the vagina, causing yeast to multiply. And without intervention, yeast thrives because the vagina is wet and warm. And three out of four women will have at least one vaginal yeast infection during their lifetime. So don't be stressed if you have one. Um, honestly, I had a, like a couple of yeast infections. I know this also happens a lot when sometimes when you have new sexual partners, um, just like the imbalance of fungus and things down there that might cause um, this to happen as well. So the signs and symptoms, the most common symptoms of yeast infection, extreme itchiness in and around the vagina. Other signs and symptoms my experience include, you know, burning, retinas, and swelling of the vagina and the vulva, you know, pain or discomfort when urinating, you know, pain during sexual intercourse, soreness. And a thick white vaginal discharge that looks like cottage cheese and does not have a bad smell. The way you can treat yeast infections, you can buy over-the-counter antifungal cream or tablets that you put in your vagina. And your doctor can also give you a prescription. And I actually have tried both over-the-counter and I talked to my doctor about this. So usually when you take the pill, it goes away in like probably a few days. Mm. Do you guys both have any yeast infections before? Or? I don't think I have. Like there are definitely some times where there's like more discharge than normal. I've never gone to a doctor or gotten a prescription for, mm. for it. How about you, Janet? Yeah, I think I had it more when I was very, very young. But in the last like 20 years, I have not really had issues. Although there was that one time where I think in one of our episodes, I thought I had a UTI. Mm. I, I'm In hindsight, that probably was yeast infection. Mm. Um, but that's like once in the last like 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Vaginal thrush. So this is, I've heard of UTIs, I've heard of yeast infections. Vaginal thrush I had never heard of, uh, but it is an infection of the vagina or vulva with a yeast germ called candida. So that sounds like it's similar to a yeast infection in that way. Um, But there's also bacterial vaginosis, uh, or BV for short, which is a different type of um, issue. And that occurs when there is more harmful than good bacteria in the vagina. And that will result in vaginal discharge. Uh, There's also trichomoniosis. Trichomoniasis? Mona Lisa? (laughs) Trichomoniasis. Yeah, I think that's I'm pronouncing it right. Um, And it's caused by a parasite and spread through unprotected sex and is the most common curable STI. Mm -hmm. So my general takeaway from this is actually like there's these symptoms where whether it's like itchiness or uh, from bacteria overgrowth or yeast type buildup or discharge, it could be a number of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's probably always good to just be aware that it may not be a yeast infection it may not be a uti and of course you know try the the recommendations that we gave but make sure that you establish a relationship with the gynecologist so that you can be taking good care of your female parts With a lot of our purchases shifting to online stores, e-commerce companies have been making changes to update their delivery services. Here at Asian Boss Girl, we've been using ShipStation to manage and ship out our merchandise. With just a few clicks, we're able to print out labels and get our products out the door. 
No matter if you're selling on Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. And ShipStation works with all of the major carriers like USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. You can compare and choose the best prices and solutions for you and your customer. And right now, Asian Boss Girl listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code ABG. Make sure your business is ready to meet the demands of delivery culture. Get started at ShipStation.com today. Click on the microphone at the top of the ShipStation homepage and type in ABG. That's ShipStation.com, then enter offer code ABG. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. All right, so let's get into some of the fun parts. Um, sex and masturbation. Hmm. Ooh. Do you know where your clitoris is? I know I'm not saying that right. Clitoris. <laughs> clitoris. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. I don't do a whole lot of exploring down there. So if I had to like pinpoint it, I don't know that I really could. But here's something that I've kind of been told by uh, a couple of dudes is that I think mine... The placement of my clit is like kind of more inward and a little bit to the side. So it's like a little harder to find. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How about you? <laughs> I was going to say like that is one thing I know for sure. Um, I could close my eyes and touch it right now if I really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Mel, put your hands where we can see them. Right here. You can see my hands. I'm waving at them with both hands. We're on a Zoom call. <laughs> Honestly, I think this is something, you know, when you start, like, you start masturbation at a young age, you start exploring yourself down there. I think it's something I'm like, oh, this feels good. So I kind of knew where it was right away. Well, I know the general area, but I don't, like, if I had to, like, open up and, like, point to the actual, like, place, I don't know that I could do that. So I think it's where, it's where your inner labia sort of meets and forms this little hood. Mm-hmm. It's, no, it's known as the clitoral oh. hood, and it's, like, a small, like, thing. It's like a pee. Hidden under there, so you can't really see it. But it's, yeah, I think it's usually uh, at the top mm-hmm. top of your vulva. How about you, Helen? I also just learned that the clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings, which is double the amount of nerves in the penis. Did you know that? Oh. I think that's why they said it's kind of like hidden, right? Because if our, if our clitoris was just out like a penis, you would get like overstimulation all the time. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. I don't know if it's factual, but I like that. Yeah, I know in high school, we, my friends and I would talk. There's this girl that actually had her um, her clip pierced, and it ran. It, mm. She oh. ran into she ran into issues when she would run track or whatever. Or she would run, so she like probably had a lot of orgasms, you know, because oh. it's rubbing against it because it's like even oh. heightened in sensation. <laughs> to be honest, now that I'm talking about it, I'm not sure if that was just gossip or a real story because that was like ten years ago. I'm also wondering if you were to pierce your clit, doesn't that like desensitize? some of it i don't know man i was i would assume that it would heighten the senses yeah oh because it's something that's moving mm-hmm. yeah yeah that would like mm-hmm. move against moving. it yeah. yeah i'd be afraid of like damaging some of the nerves down there yeah if you are a listener and you have your clit pierced <laughs> please write into us and write let us know in. what it's like yeah we're curious wait helen do you know where your clitoris is uh i do <laughs> okay she just explained I like, it. <laughs> I don't know if she Googled that definition or she, you know, through self-exploration. <laughs> I, yeah. No, I, I know where it is. What's funny is that uh, we actually got Janet a, um, yeah. a vibrator for her birthday because, you know, we know she's living alone and, you know, <laughs> she hasn't had too many sexual partners recently. So we got her a very cute Dame um, vibrator, which we actually have a partnership with. So if you want to discount on Dame, go to AsianBossGirl.com slash partnerships. But we got that for her. And I don't think you've used it yet, Janet, have you? No. It Okay. It is a beautiful product, oh. I will say. But no, I don't. 
I think we've talked about how like with a masturbation, like I don't like penetration. And I think that particular one is not about, it's not, it's just a vibration or a vibrator. It doesn't penetrate. But even then, I just feel like I'm really old school and just like, I kind of just use my hands. I don't putting another or using another tool or item it's also it's like when you have the urge like i don't want to like get out of bed and then go Mm. like grab the thing Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah well hell and i actually both got products that we're trying out (laughs) honestly i haven't tried mine yet because i have a roommate i don't want her to be i don't want to hear i don't want her to hear the vibration but here's the thing (laughs) i'll say this i know with sex toys and all this stuff it's a little hesitant you're hesitant to try it but i will say um talking to a lot of my single friends and just women who are isolated right now it's a good time for you to explore your body down there you know like i do want to understand more about my vagina my clitoris so maybe like these toys can help you kind of explore and like talking to my girlfriends they have told me that toys have helped them actually understand their body a lot more so Mm -hmm. if you guys are in this time right now where you actually maybe don't know what your clitoris is or having problems with orgasming orgasms i think a sex toy is a really good option for you so yeah check out our partnerships with dame to see they're really beautiful (laughs) and i think i heard also most women like 80 percent of women need to have stimulation on the outside so in the clitoris Mm -hmm. area in order to orgasm so not a lot of people can actually do it through penetration yeah Mm. heard that too fun facts yeah but speaking of sex you know what is your preferred contraceptives ladies i mean i only have one partner right now so the only thing that we are trying to do is protect ourselves against having a baby at a time when we're not ready to So, yeah, I'll let people imagine what that is. (laughs) I don't want to imagine that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) We always joke. Just because he's like a brother to us. No, that's exactly why. I know. (laughs) It's like, you always tell me you want me to share more, but then when I share, you get grossed out. I was like, it's only grossed out because, like, I know who your partner is and he feels like a sibling. (laughs) That is the only reason why. Mel, what is your preferred method? Okay, so when I actually was first sexually active, I did go on the birth control. Because I do think when you have a partner, birth control is... I don't know. I liked it because it actually regulated my period. And I didn't. I actually don't like the feeling of condoms. So I used to just use birth control when I was sexually active. And then I got off of it when I was 20. And then I got back on when I had my last boyfriend. Because, again, I had a solid sexual partner. And then if I were to hook up, which I might have done with that friends of benefits person i really encourage condoms because you want to protect yourself at all costs so i use both condoms and birth control it's maybe good to distinguish for our listeners i know birth control and condoms are the two most common um and the pull-out method right yes. and know that you're not you're thinking about pregnancy but you're also thinking about stds so if you're at an age like helen where you are okay with maybe having a child and you're with a committed partner so you don't really care about stds right and the preventing a birth or like a pregnancy is less of a huge concern for you versus say like Mel when you were with a partner but you were much younger and you don't want to have a baby mm-hmm. but you guys are one partner the whole time so you're you can get tested and know for sure you're not passing anything yeah. then birth control works right yeah and then if you are both have multiple partners and concerned about pregnancy having both using both mm-hmm. forms of birth control and condoms yeah. is a smart thing to do yeah. So for most of my adulthood, I did use both birth control and condoms. Mm -hmm. I went off of birth control in the last like four years maybe. Mm -hmm. And that is because I noticed that it was like kind of messing up my period a bit and I didn't really want to do that. Mm -hmm. So once I did that, condoms are now my preferred form of contraception. Um, But how about you ladies? Have you ever uh, taken birth control? Or I I know Mel shared some of your experience. Mm -hmm. So when I say birth control, it's like the tablets. I know there's different types of birth control, but I consumed my birth control um, yeah, I, I mentioned uh, I, I was on, on it for a few years. I actually was on it when I wasn't sexually active because I liked how it regulated my period. But after a while, I realized, like, I, there's no point in this. So I, I'll just I – stopped, I stopped being on birth control after I was 21 and I wasn't sexually active. I, I think for me, I go on birth control when I know I'm either one sexually active or I have a long-term partner and I, I'm not on it because I don't have that. Helen, did you ever tried birth control? When I was first sexually active, I just used condoms because I think even going to the doctor and asking for a prescription for birth control was very awkward. So mm-hmm. it took me a while, maybe until like my mid, uh, maybe like 20, 20, early 20s or so for me to start asking my doctor to prescribe me something. And I remember that, I think similar to you, Janet, like my period was, was kind of being irregular because of it, even though I heard that usually it's supposed to regulate your period. Um, And then also I was starting to break out from it and gain weight from it. Mm -hmm. So I took birth control for like a pretty short period of time. And I know that there's a lot of different types out there too. So you kind of have to try many different ones to get to one that works for your body. 
Um, but beyond that, it's mostly been just, you know, condoms. Mm-hmm. Speaking of contraceptives, have you ladies ever had a pregnancy scare? Ooh, I have had a couple. <laughs> uh, and both, both while uh, I've been in a committed relationship and also during periods when I was just kind of like dating casually. Obviously, the latter is much more scary, right? When you're thinking about the repercussions. Yeah, it can be incredibly terrifying. I have memories of, um, you know, this is like, I feel like San Francisco is the the time or where I was when I spent a lot of my 20s when I was like casually dating. And I just remember at times like going to the drugstore by myself because at this, it's also if it's someone you don't really know mm-hmm. that was your sexual partner. I mean, you know them, but like you don't have an established relationship. You don't want to freak them out before there's any reason to freak out, mm-hmm. right? But even just going through that experience by yourself, you're like, I'm going to go buy a test, And then I'm going to go and like take the test and I'm sitting there in anticipation looking for the result. Um, Even if you know sensically, like if you do the math of when you're ovulating that you shouldn't be, you will always have that question. And I think that those like what the hour that it takes for you to first realize you're not getting your period and and or a couple of hours and you go into the drugstore and seeing the test results can you start to run through all possible scenarios in your mind. Mm -hmm. So it can be really scary. But uh, uh, but yes, pregnancy tests. Thank you for someone for inventing them. I don't know. (laughs) How about you, ladies? One of the previous episodes, I did mention I did have a pregnancy scare when I was 16. But I was because I was extremely paranoid. Like, I think when you're younger, you don't know. You, like, you like think pre-cum is a thing. So, for me, I thought pre-cum would get me pregnant, which I think you, it can, actually. But um, mm-hmm. I was extremely paranoid. I ran to the drugstore. I got a test. I got a pregnancy test. Tested negative, but I still was paranoid. And I ended up telling my mom. My mom took me to the doctor's. And she brought me to get a blood test, and I tested negative, so I wasn't pregnant. But yeah, it was a very scary time, but having my mom there really comforted me, and knowing the fact that she was really open to this. I know she, I know sex, you know, talking about sex with your parents is very difficult, but having a mother who was like, you know, she did tell me when I, when I was getting sexually active, she was like, I'd rather protect you, I can't stop you from everything, but the only thing I can do as a mother is protect you from all these things. So I had my mom Mm -hmm. there when I was going through uh, the testing of the see if I had a baby when I was in high school that's so amazing that she went with you yeah I've had a pregnancy scare before and it was when I was younger and the condom had broken and it was with uh, my boyfriend at the time so I felt safe Mm. with him but at the same time I was like way too young to to feel like I was ready to have a baby so I actually went to go get a plan b pill and he went with me to um, a planned parenthood and I was so nervous I remember like feeling like I was going to cry and, and actually like tearing up walking in there because you just feel like there's so much judgment on you. It's like, oh, this mm. like young Asian girl. Oh, that's cute. Like yeah. pregnancy scare. So I, I was just, yeah, very, very nervous, but um, also very thankful that there is something like a Planned Parent put out there to, you know, to give you Plan B if you ever need it. ladies let's have some fun now if your vagina had a monologue what would it be hmm so i had fun coming up with this one um i thought uh if my vagina had a monologue it would be around or i guess it's like the character in the context or their story right uh my vagina would be a tantric sex practitioner or teacher and the monologue would probably be around sharing experiences or anecdotes do you guys know what tantric sex is now that sounds like no. spider sex or something. <laughs> so tantric sex, ta- tantric sex is actually an ancient Hindu practice, mm. and it means the weaving and expansion of energy. So the purpose is really to create a mind-body connection between the couple and increase intimacy. And there, so the reason why people will do this is because they say it should increase the intensity of your orgasms. Mm. So it's almost like there's a little bit of a yogic kind of thing in it, right? But it's about like usually the, the theory is that you should have it really plays up the foreplay and the sex is happening very slowly and all the emphasis is on creating that relationship and the heat and the intimacy and then supposedly that because you're more connected then your orgasms will be more intense interesting so what is it called again (laughs) tantric sex tantric tantric sex yeah what's the monologue title uh oh i didn't really have a title I did oh that. no no you, you I mentioned was, it earlier like, tan- tan- it would be called a tantric sex and oh like i would just be a tantric tantric sex practitioner or teacher oh oh i can't teach any of it i actually have never experimented with it, but it's something i've heard about and because of like i i do find like you know like uh, yoga meditation interesting um it was something that you know it's like oh it's kind of an interesting thing yeah it's fun i don't <laughs> how about you helen um my monologue would be called 
I want to see the light of day. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> but because I feel like our vaginas have always been so hidden, it will remain hidden. But I think even in thought and discussion about the vagina, like even earlier when you asked me when was the last time you talked about vagi- your vagina, I'm just like, I don't even know if I've ever really done that before until this podcast and this episode. So something that I'm also starting to notice is, and this ha- this happened this year, is that I'm actually becoming very thankful for every time I do get my period. Um, and I think about wanting, you know, my vagina to eventually push out a baby and all of that. Like I'm becoming very thankful for my body and my period and mm. my vagina, which I'd never been before. And I feel like your vagina is something that's always just, you know, hidden, double layered for some people, mm. you know, underwear and pants. Janet's just pants. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's like super, super trapped in there, you know? So my monologue would be metaphorically that it wants to see the light of day. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I really like that. That is really nice. How about you, Mel? Yours is going to be like frog sex or something. <laughs> Honestly, okay, I actually really struggled with this one. I, did, I, don't, I don't have an answer. Maybe that's what it is. It's like my vagina. I feel like my vagina or my, in general, it's like I'm still, on the, I'm still on this journey. And the first title that came into mind, which sounds really weird, is like I am in control. Like that, it's something about control. Because mm-hmm. I do think uh, I openly talk about this with my other girlfriends and you ladies. Is that like I'm not I'm not like wim- like wimpy in bed, but like I want to be able to like be solely like so fully controlled with my sexuality, with my vagina, with my with sex. And I want to be like I'm. I know what exactly what I'm doing. I feel like I'm not 100 percent there yet. So it's just like about this person who's taking full on control. Not like I'm dominating mm-hmm. the dude, but it's like I know what I want. But at the same time, like we're gonna go, we're gonna get this to get get there together. So. I don't know. I think I do see it in a more sexual way, but at the same time, I started writing a haiku about my vagina, but I stopped because I can't think of the last line. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Read the first two lines then. I have two lines on my haiku, and it says, number one is, you are beautiful. And I said, Aww. the second one is, you're very sacred to me. Um, and, the, and the last one I was still deciding because I do think I'm also someone that, I do think sex is extremely intimate. It's a passionate thing. It's fun, but I do think... I am not a type of person that will have a lot of casual sex because I do think my vagina is very sacred. Not a lot of people see this stuff. I'm not naked around people a lot, especially my vagina is like extremely private. So yeah, it's a sacred act. So yeah, that's it's mm. my work and monologue, I guess. That was a very good explanation. Hope so. Okay, so besides a monologue, if your vagina had a name, what would it be? Mine would be um, the mighty Wujina. <laughs> The mighty Wujina. Get it? My last the name's mighty. Wu? For those of you who don't know, my last name's Wu. You're about to become a Wang, though, so I'm just kidding. I know, the mighty Wang. No! No! <laughs> different different meanings. Yeah. <laughs> Mel, Mel, how about you? What would your name of your vagina be? Okay, this is not a really serious name, but I just thought of it because I'm a big friends fan. Big, big friends fan. I know how Monica calls her, like, the flower. And I was like, oh, yeah, the flower. Mm-hmm. My flower. Aw. Mel's flower. That's kind of close to mine. I just, I, uh, I said my vagina would be called Rose. Oh. I don't really know why. I just, I like that name and it's like, it's an object and there's references of fl- flowers and women's vaginas. And it's really weird. I do associate your vagina with flowers. Like even Jane the Virgin, like it's all through yeah, media, yeah. you know, it's like a very mm-hmm. flower type of thing. But I would never name my fucking vagina flower. What, what kind of flower? What kind of flower? So it's kind of like Janet where she picked a rose. What, mm. r- what flower would you most associated with like a tulip oh maybe a tulip yeah a tulip yeah that's a cute one mel's a total tulip total tulip. Or your vagina's yeah. a total tulip <laughs> i can see your vagina being a tulip if i saw it do you want to see it i'm just kidding <laughs> no that's okay <laughs> <laughs> we're in a we're in a three-way zoom call i would like to not see right. it so let's not do it <laughs> All right, thank you everyone for joining in on our episode today. Women's health is typically seen as such a taboo topic, perhaps especially amongst Asian culture, and many women don't realize that in addition to a dentist, an eye doctor, a primary care doctor, or PCP, it is important that we also have an OBGYN, someone who will address any issues with our fertility, birth control, cancer prevention, and sexually transmitted diseases. Yes, and women should be tested annually for chlamydia or gonorrhea if they are sexually active under the age of 25. Untreated STDs can cause infertility, so it's so important to spread the word on safe sex and getting tested frequently. Many women also don't know that starting at the age of 30, they should be doing the PAP and HPV test for cervical cancer screenings. 
And in the words of one of our ABG listeners who wrote in to us, Yoni C., it's important for women to care for themselves because they are usually the ones caring for others, and oftentimes we forget about our own health. We also have some partnerships that we are happy to share with you. As mentioned earlier, Dame is a female pleasure company, so you can find a lot of different vibrators and fun toys on there. Look for links and codes in our show notes. And for more partnership discounts, head to our website, asianbossgirl.com partnerships. You can find us on all the podcasting platforms. We are Asian Boss Girl. Follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, and leave us a rating and a review. And if you'd like to support us through monthly donations, you can do so at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl support. We are also very active on social. Our handle is at asianbossgirl. And if you resonated with today's episode, screen cap the podcast, tag us, and we can reshare on our IG story. You can now also find us on YouTube where we have started posting some uh, various videos. So subscribe to us at asianbossgirl. And thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. Catch you all on the next episode. Bye! Bye.